Good morning. Hope you guys are doing great. It's an awesome Easter Sunday. Um, we planned two services today. We actually had three because um, there were some people who came at 10. Um, but that's okay. It's all right. And hopefully they'll, you know, they got the first half of the first service and they'll stay over. You know, it's kind of like when you go to the movie and you just keep, you know, you can come in late, stay and watch the second showing and see what you miss. We're glad that you're here. Uh, it's always exciting to be in church on Sunday. Uh, it, it's especially exciting to me on, on Easter Sunday. Even though, you know, we like to say, and, and it's true, that every Sunday is Easter uh, for those who believe. But, but there's something a little extra special on Easter Sunday. So we're glad that you're here. Some of you are here for the first time. And, and I've met several of you out in the hallway and really appreciate you being here. We hope that you'll come back. Uh, we believe that if you were to, to uh, get involved here and plug in here, you would find a, a group of people who love Jesus and who will love you. And uh, so hopefully you'll come back and, and see us again. We're going to uh, look at Mark chapter 16 today. We've been walking through uh, the gospel of Mark and his account leading up to uh, Easter. And so today we, we get there. Today we get to Easter, what we've been pressing into and, and reaching for for the last few weeks. So if you, if you have a Bible and want to open to Mark 16, that would be great. If not, you can look on the screen and we'll begin at verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It, it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in, white, in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. We love your word. We recognize, acknowledge that your word is true, and uh, even though, Lord, we know this story, and we've read it many times, uh, we pray that today uh, you would show us something new, that you would speak into our lives, perhaps in a way that, that we've never received before, uh, that something uh, we would hear or grasp today would take us into a place of more fully believing and, and more deeply appreciating the price that you paid, and the victory that you won on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many of you have figured out by now that perception and reality are not the same? Anybody figured that out? 
There are a lot of things that we know or think we know, and the truth is we don't know as much as we think we know. Uh, God knows everything, and God's perception really is the only perception that is fully reality. Uh, we see, as Paul said, we see in part, we know in part. Uh, we think we know stuff, uh, but we only see part of the story. And, and Easter is a great example of that. Let, let me give you some other examples of perception versus reality. <laughs> Internet you versus the real world you. Uh, what you think you sound like singing Adele and what you actually sound like. What I think I look like, what I actually look like. Perception, reality. That's like Atlanta traffic, you know, when you think you're going to just zip down to the airport. What I think I'm going to look like, what I really look like. And then my favorite, sleeping with pets, perception versus reality. Perception is not reality, uh, no matter how complete, no matter how grounded your opinion or your experience feels, there is more to the story. And uh, Easter, as I said, is, is a great example of the difference between perception and reality. The perception of the Jewish leaders was that Jesus was a man who did not respect what they stood for, that he didn't respect their authority, that he was a blasphemer, that he was leading the people away from the true faith, and that he was messing things up for them, and that he needed to be stopped. That was their perception. In fact, their perception of the Messiah was that when he came, he would look a lot like them. That was really their perception. They they believe this is, this is the way it's supposed to be. We're doing things the right way. Actually, nobody else is doing it the right way, but we're doing it the right way. And when the Messiah comes, he will simply endorse what we've been doing. And he'll probably reward us. But it was very different. That was the perception. But the reality when Jesus came was very different. In fact, the reality is maybe clearly seen in the way that Jesus went in and cleansed the temple. The religious leaders had set this up. They had corrupted worship. They were uh, using worship actually to cheat people and to extort from them. And Jesus comes into the temple and he turns over the tables of the money changers and he chases the religious leaders out of the church, out of the temple. Perception versus reality. Their perception was... Jesus will look a lot like us. The Messiah will look a lot like us. The reality is he, he, he looked anything but like them. Uh, they were proud, arrogant, controlling, and greedy. Jesus came with humble authority and shifted everything. The perception of the Roman government was, you know, it's just one guy. Let's just do what they say. You know, uh, these Jewish people, there are a lot of them, and they could cause, you know, chaos in the city. 
They just want us to kill just this one guy. What's the big deal? Let's just kill this one guy, get it out of the way, and it'll be done. And it'll all be over in a couple of days. Well, the reality is it wasn't over in a couple of days. Actually, it only started a couple of days later. Actually, three days later is when it really, really started. The truth is, the reality is, it, it wasn't just a man. He wasn't just one guy who, if he was eliminated, uh, things would go away. He was actually the son of the living God. And their treatment of him, their decision to send him to the cross had been made before they ever contemplated making that decision. The decision to send Jesus to the cross had been made, as Scripture says, from the foundations of the earth. Before the beginning of time, the Father had determined that to save humanity, he would send his Son to the cross. The perception of Jesus' followers was that this is the worst day. How many of you have maybe said that in the last week? Today, this is just the worst day. This is the worst day ever. Well, they really believed it. They have lived their life for three years with this man. They believe that everything he said was true. They're hanging on his every word. They're, they're following him. They're thinking, we have found the key to life. And we're going to follow this guy, and it's going to turn out so great. And then on Friday... He dies. He's crucified. And with his death, they believe everything they have invested in, everything that they have given themselves to, everything that they have followed and believed for the last three years is gone. Gone. In fact, the day after Jesus is raised from the dead, two of the disciples are walking along a road. It's called the road to Emmaus. They're on this road, and they're joined by Jesus, and they don't even recognize him. And he walks along with them, and he asks them why they're so sad, why they're so downcast. And they say, haven't you heard? Jesus of Nazareth was, was killed. He was hung on a cross. We had hoped. We had hoped. In other words, we don't hope anymore. Our hope is gone. Their perception was that Friday was the worst day in the history of the world and that everything they had hoped in was gone and they could never, ever get it back. And the reality was that was the greatest weekend in the history of the world. It was the greatest weekend in the history of the world, and everything that happened happened according to the perfect plan of God. We were lost and without hope, and the perfect Lamb of God came and died in our place and rose again on the third day so that we could be redeemed and so that we could live. He died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. He rose on the third day so that we could live with him forever. All of this because of love.
All of this because in the words of John in his gospel, God so loved the world that he gave. False perception can cause us to miss things. False perception can cause us to miss things. Years ago I was teaching a Bible study and I was teaching on the passage where Jesus says, or, or Jesus comes to be baptized by John. And, and when he's in the water, they put, John puts him in the water. And when Jesus comes out of the water, it's baptism. It's, the scripture says that the heavens opened. And the voice of the Father spoke. This is my son. I love him. He pleases me. And I'm teaching this Bible study about this. And, and I make the statement to the men that I'm teaching. You know, every son, I think every person, but I, sons in particular, every son needs to hear that from his father. Every son longs to hear from his dad, you did good, I'm proud of you, I love you so much. And as I'm teaching that, it dawned on me, I have no memory of my dad ever saying that to me. And as I began to dig back deeper into it, I, I realized, you know, I, I, I have no memory of my dad showing affection towards me at all. And I began to wrestle through this, and this very thing that I'm teaching, I'm realizing, you know what, I, I just I have a void here. I have, I have this empty place. I, I, I don't have the very thing I'm saying people need. I don't, I don't have it. And I pray through it, and I try to move through it and push through it, and I come to a place where I just say, you know what? I never had that. I'm never going to have that. I just need to get that from God. And I will just get it, I'll get it from my Heavenly Father, and that will be enough. And then, two weeks ago, going through some old photographs, and this has been years in the making. I, I taught this, this Bible study that I taught was probably 10, 12 years ago. So two weeks ago, I'm going through some old pictures, looking for a picture of, of me and someone else. And I came across this picture from my 40th birthday party of me and my dad. Perception and reality. They're not the same. Perception will steal from you. Things that are incredibly valuable. Things that you need. Things that God wants you to have. Many of you, many of us, walk through life with perception. Ideas. Even ideas about God. Many of you have lived lives apart from God because of false perception of what he is like, of how he feels about you. The greatest display of unconditional love in the history of the world is the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus died so we could be forgiven. He paid our penalty, experienced an excruciating death in our place. He was raised on the third day so that we can live 
with him forever. He is not distant. He is not aloof. He is not angry. I heard Mike Bickle say years ago that most people have this perception of God. That he is mostly sad, often mad, and rarely glad. That is a false perception of God. He's not aloof. He's not distant. He's not angry. He's not patting his foot, waiting for you with his arms crossed. Will you ever get it right? That's not him. In fact, he looks more like this. That's all he wants. That's all he's ever wanted. It's for you to turn to him and say, I need what you have. And he will freely give more than you ever dreamed was possible. Now let's pray. Jesus, thank you for loving us so much that you went to the very end. You, you, you paid the, the fullest price so that we could live. And I pray that in this room there would not be any who would neglect or put off or resist your offer for any longer, not for one more day, not even for one more minute would we resist this offer of love and relationship that you have made. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give people all across this room the courage this morning to say yes to you. Not yes to religion, not yes to perception, but yes to the reality of Jesus and his perfect love. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. I'm going to ask our teams, our prayer teams, to come and get in place. Uh, if, if you have ever been on the prayer team, guess what? You're on the prayer team today. <laughs> and uh, so we just want to encourage you to come and get in place. If you've never been on the prayer team before and always wanted to be on the prayer team, this could be your day. <laughs> and uh, we're going to go into a time of, of ministry. We just want to pray for people. Uh, there are some of you that uh, came here today, you, you're, you're in need of physical healing, others uh, maybe relational healing, or uh, especially spiritual healing. Uh, I especially want to say if you have never said yes to Jesus and you want to do that today, we would love to pray for you. Or if you've said yes but you feel like you've drifted away and you want to come back home to him, uh, we would love to pray for you as well. We will have a time of worship and a time of prayer. Our teams will stay here and pray for people for as long as there are people that want to be prayed for. Why don't we stand together? Holy Spirit, we love the way you work. And we recognize today that there's nothing that any of us can do that would change anyone's life. But you can. You can. You have the power to speak life into people. 
And so we pray today, here on Easter, that you would make dead things come to life. In Jesus' name.